Hey, horror fam. Uh, We just wanted to take a second to ask you if you like the podcast, if you could share it, review us. um, Subscribe to us. You know, wherever you listen, every every share, every comment, every like really helps us get our podcast out to other people that might like it. Thanks in advance. Welcome to another mini-sode. This week, we're talking about episode 6 of Lovecraft Country. I know I say this every week and every episode we discuss about this, but my goodness, this episode was a lot. Yeah, this one was, uh, wow, unsettling, uh, like, truly 10 minutes in. Trigger warnings for this episode are mention of sexual assault, people explosions, yeah, like, I, I mean, I never know what words, Extreme gore. what words to use, but just, like, weird sex stuff, because that makes me cringe. Disturbing imagery. Disturbing sex scene? Yeah, I guess. It's a lot. I don't even know how to fully describe it. Yeah. But just a heads up. This is our first full, like, flashback episode. Right. And, of course, in the previous episode, Tick called his, like, Kore- Korean, right? Yes. Korean. This is in South Korea. In South Korea. Uh, his Korean girlfriend and was like, how did you know? And so it leads us into this story of how they met and what her deal is in this whole story of Atticus. Uh, yeah, this is the story of how Atticus met Gia. 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 It's J-I-H. space A-H. I believe it's pronounced Gia. Yeah, I think so. In the beginning, it doesn't even show Atticus. It kind of is telling us... Gia's story. At the beginning, she is finishing up medical school to become a nurse. She lives with her mother, and they're actually, like, making kimchi. Made me really want kimchi. (laughs) I still want kimchi. Right, and the whole premise that she describes to her friend, like, her issue is that her mom wants her to bring home a man and like we think that this means like for marriage because she is like a widow it appears from their conversation and it shows her at this like speed dating event that is so sad you also forgot about the (laughs) very like i guess for them and in the moment wouldn't be weird but as an outsider they're like gossiping about boys at in their class and they're looking at dead bodies <laughs> yeah but i think that that's in any field that you're in you become desensitized to whatever the thing oh, definitely. is so it's like but that's what i'm saying is like an outsider looking in talking about <laughs> yeah. boys while their hand is in a torso right like a real torso <laughs> a that real was kind of weird torso. too that it i guess because it's like a war they've got lots of dead bodies around exactly right? yes because this is in the middle of the korean war yeah but anyways, at this speed dating event, uh, we see a little bit of her personality, and none of these guys like her, but the last one, and this was just so heartbreaking, she made a quote about Judy Garland, and he was like, I love Judy Garland, and then X's her off, like, in front of her, and is just like, good luck. And he was, like, the only person she had a moderate connection with. Yeah, there are a lot of Judy Garland references, and even one of the guys is like, oh, you like American movies? You're a disgrace. How could you like America? Like American propaganda. They're just like Japan. They're horrible. And just X's her off. Oh, that that is the... I'm rubbing my face because I'm so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. like, It's so fucked up. 
right. to in front of somebody be like, no. Yeah, it's like we as humans don't deal with rejection well. And like in this day and age, it's online as it is. But to have someone in front of your face be like, no. It'd be like. I mean, I've never gone to a speed dating thing. No, that's not, I mean, but it would be like. for older people, I think. If you're on Tinder and it's somebody, it's like if Tinder told you every time somebody said, said no. no. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you haven't logged on in Tinder in two hours. 39 people said no. <laughs> 39 people swiped left. <laughs> yeah. Is left good or bad? I don't remember. I don't remember. That's why I said said no, because I couldn't remember. <laughs> and there's actually, speaking of the whole Judy Garland thing, there's a scene where she is at the movie, the movies, and she is like, she's not alone at first, but then like these two people leave. So then she is alone. And there's like this whole scene where she's like, she knows all the lines. She's like singing it out loud, but it's just in her head. She's not Mm -hmm. actually doing it. Yeah. But yeah, she knows all the lines to this. And the name of this episode is a reference to a Judy Garland movie. The Judy Garland movie is Meet Me in St. Louis. I had to check. I had to look this up because I knew the episode title was a reference. I just like, I personally am not a big judy i don't really know anything about her honestly i mean i've seen the wizard of oz that's about yeah yeah um but then the the title yeah i don't know how to say the name of the city so the the episode of this episode is meet me in daigao i believe it's daigao daigu I don't think they say it in the episode. I don't think they say it in the episode either. But that's the city that they're in in Korea. So after this failed speed dating romance, she meets a stranger at a bar, and it's actually a cool bar. Like I would totally go to this bar. The guys, the subtitle said, "He man sings in Spanish in Korean." (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, something else just about this episode in general is, like, the wardrobes are beautiful. Oh, they're amazing. Every every single outfit, like, from the nurses to, like, their attire to their coats to, like, the traditional stuff that her mother wears in the scenes at the house. Like, oh, so good. And the set design is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I know the show had a huge budget because, yeah. of course, it's HBO, but, like, it's so nice when you, like, see where it went. <laughs> Speaking of great set design, she brings him home to this like room with all these rows of candles and this bed in the middle of the room and this is where you get like the first inkling that she is something else because she lights one of the candles and they all light yeah and there's like a hundred candles (laughs) yeah god so she it starts she takes her clothes off and lays in the middle of this bed and then he takes his clothes off and you know there's like oh you're so pretty and yeah it starts off fine right and so they're having sex and then basically you just see a weird furry kind of tentacle coming from her body somewhere and uh yeah it attacks him grabs him and then she's got tentacles coming out of her ears and her eyes and her nose they go in his eyes oh my god his ears and then it shoots into like his brain and then it's like these scenes playing out and then right it like shows his whole life and then it cuts to the room and he's being like lifted into the air and there's tentacles everywhere coming out of her and then to him and then he explodes yeah like literally explodes and there's yeah it's blood rains on her across the whole room everywhere yeah i was literally just going what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck <laughs> and i'm just sitting there like oh my god <laughs> oh it's <was> upsetting <laughs> yeah and then after this the mom 
her mom like is there and comes in and she's like, good job, only 10 more. Right. Her and her mother have a conversation basically saying that there's like a little time in between, but they have a conversation soon saying that there's only two more souls and she needs a hundred souls for the demon in her to leave. Right. And she like references, it's really odd, like at first, like how she refers to, like she says, your husband, not yeah. my father or anything. She just says your husband. And that's how we kind of leads us into the the understanding that she is not her actual daughter, that she's possessed. We end up finding out throughout the episode that the reason Gia's mother summoned this demon was because her husband was they use the word rape they she says raping her daughter and that she contacted a shaman that helped her conjure this demon that would kill him but she had to pay uh, but she had to pay the price and the price was that she had to give this demon a hundred souls to get her daughter back yeah, and it's called a kumeo. It's a nine-tailed fox spirit. Yeah, which when you see the the tentacles in that first scene, it does not read fox. Or tails, really. <laughs> or tails. But, you know. Yeah. But it's a, like, a, a fox spirit that disguises itself as a pretty woman. Right. And, like, I, I've heard this term before, and I know, like, a fox in Korea is a bad omen. Hmm, I didn't know that. And I know, like the the like the the story with the spirit is that it disguises itself as a pretty woman, lures men, and right. then eats their internal organs. Ooh, wow. Yep. Fun. <laughs> so basically, this is just now like it was a revenge spirit, but the mother didn't realize that the price was going to be so high, <laughs> right. killing a hundred people. Yeah. Which, my goodness, like. The Good for them for not getting <laughs> caught. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, I don't know. This is kind of, you might cut this out. But, like, because they used the phrase, like, comfort woman about her of, at the base, I wonder if. Well, they were joking about it. Well, they were serious. They thought that she was, like, a sex worker. Well, I just they mean, assumed. I just mean that, like, in Korea, I'm guessing that's one of those, at that time period, was one of those things that you never would talk about. So I'd imagine that if she was seen at a bar taking men home night after night, she would be assumed to be a sex worker mm-hmm. and therefore wouldn't get caught in that way. You know what I mean? Because I think it's one of those situations well, where they a wouldn't. a woman take a bunch of men home and then none of those men are ever seen again, you might catch know. on after... 98. <laughs> they did not. I guess it is wartime. Right. So it I, make, it does make sense. There's like a lot of cover for her being this demon. That's all. It's at this time that there's more uh, Americans showing up. Uh, they sh- they throw propaganda through the streets and you can tell like the war is getting more intense. There, her hospital where she works is getting more full of American soldiers. There's this disturbing scene where they there's like a bunch of civilians running through the streets screaming kill the communists and this truck drives up and they force a a man who's been obviously beaten out of the truck and then they hang him in the streets. Yeah, it's really upsetting. There's a lot of um upsetting things in this episode i feel like i say that every episode i truly was like i don't know if i want to watch this anymore 
in the middle of this one. I and like that... I like the magic and everything, but not so much the horrible deaths. This is also where she gets soul number ninety nine. She takes a uh, American MP home, and uh, yeah, you don't see this kill, but you see them cleaning up all the blood. Right, and this too is where there's that really creepy thing where the mother thinks that like. There's this whole discussion of, like, is her daughter really still inside this body or is it just the demon? And she starts singing a song and the mother's like, yeah, see, exactly. I used to sing that to my daughter every night. And she's like, no, I know it because your husband would hear her singing it while he was raping her. And Mm -hmm. oh, my God, that was unsettling. Her mom is also trying to dodge blame, like say she had not like this isn't her fault at all. But then it's revealed that it's like. She had G out of wedlock, and that's why her right. stepdad like, picked, preyed on preyed her, on her is yeah. because she knew that her mom wouldn't do anything to stop it. And the mom's only escape was to summon this demon. She couldn't leave for shame, but right. she didn't even try to leave. So she got a demon to kill her, her new husband. The scene where we meet Atticus in this storyline involves um the nurses i i don't know if they're like on a truck to work or if they got pulled out of the hospital hospital. yeah and they bring them to this uh their base camp right Mm -hmm. and they're basically just accusing one of them of being a communist spy and it's very graphic and they shoot two women in the head well yeah they shoot the first woman the first nurse in the head and they're saying well we can keep doing this if nobody's going to confess after uh, they shoot the first woman, the soldier's gun jams, and he basically just is frustrated and is like, can somebody deal with this? And that's when we see Atticus, and he shoots the second woman, like, point blank. And then that's when Gia's friend, who was the communist informant, she gives herself up, and... They drag her they away. They drag her away, and they literally just leave these poor women who were just trying to do their job, like... Like, Gia, they just, like, leave them. And they're just like, yeah. okay, you guys can go. Right. We know that your two friends who were innocent are now dead. Bye. Yeah, it's very graphic. And this is, like, the nonfiction part of the story where there's no magic. It's just kind of real. Yeah, and it's shit that definitely happened. Oh, yeah. It cuts to sometime later in Gia's in the hospital working. And you see... Tick is now in the hospital, but he has been injured in a bombing. You see him with a bandage on his head, his leg is in a cast, and so it's his hand. His hand has been injured as well. And he's trying to read his book, but his glasses are broken and he frustratedly throws them both. Gia obviously recognizes Tick, and you can just see like all of this anger just like all over her face. And there's this scene like this day when she sees him there, it's like the hospital is like overflowing with injured people. And she stands out in the rain, just like covered in blood, and is just like screaming about the whole situation. I don't think she actually screams though. I don't know. I thought she did. I don't think so. It was just the sound of the rain. Yeah. Might as well have been her screaming. She tells her mom that she plans on him being the last soul. They start to get to know each other while he's in the hospital, and they discover kind of their mutual love for... She loves film, he loves books, and she ends up reading the end of The Count of Monte Cristo to him, and it forms this little friendship between them. And there's this... Because there's this whole scene where she's like, I don't need to read it. This is how it ends. And then it's like, 
she kind of is like giving him the summary and then kind of like critiques of it. But then he's like, that's not how the book ends. That's how the movie ends. Right. He calls her out on it. So then she's kind of, she like is in a way she feels like she's forced to now read it. Mm -hmm. Then there's this other sad scene where Tick and one of his other squad mates who was also injured she asks them if they've ever met Judy Garland. Right. And they're like, the only way we'd ever meet Judy Garland is if we're either her driver or her butler. Which is sad, because then they have to explain the racism in America right. to, to her. Right. Tick's friend was actually uh, drafted into the army for the Korean War, but Tick goes on to explain how he did it to escape. He did it basically to escape his dad. Yeah, there's that really good line where he talks about how he, she uses movies to escape and he used books. And so this was like the next thing when books weren't enough of an escape. And then here he is injured after the war and back to books. And then there's another sad scene where, so she's reading the book to him. And then they're talking for a while and she says, we have to stop letting fear shape us. And she said it was advice from her best friend who was the mm -hmm. communist who... Uh, they was, took like, away. dragged away, yeah. Slowly, you can see Tick getting better, and you realize that what they have isn't, like, a friendship, it's romance. Gia shows up at the base where Tick is at, and um, he surprises her with, like, a projector set up in a Judy Garland movie, and he gives her a single flower, and it is very adorable, and oh my god, he is so charming. The character and the actor. And they kiss. Mm-hmm. There's this really nice exchange between them where after he tells her that he's a virgin, he explains how he's done so many horrible things because of the war and that when he's with her, basically he can see the good person that she sees in him and he finds it to be like more attainable through her eyes. This is the first time where the tales don't explode whoever she sleeps with. Right, and it's like, it's a very tense scene because you're like expecting the whole time that they're just going to show up and grab him and they don't. It's during this part that they start to kind of uh, connect and it seems like they're definitely about to have sex, but uh, Gia ends up pushing him away and like, it's like the tails are coming out possibly and then her mom shows up and he totally bails. Yeah, because it's then the, a little while later it's, she is back like at the gate of the American camp and they have another exchange where it's like she was like I was gonna kill you because her friend had been taken away but then she actually also has feelings for him mm -hmm. and they kind of talk about how the war has torn them both apart in, in very different ways obviously but still they connect over this. And then they have sex in the tent. Mm hmm And yeah, and he doesn't get killed. Right. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a very different show if he did. It shows, like, some time passing and that the two of them are together. And then it shows the two of them sitting down in that, like, bedroom area where she's been taking all of her victims, and she's reading to him this book about what she is. So it seems like maybe she's about to 
I don't want to say like confess, but kind of confess and explain that this is what's going on with her. And then Tick drops the bomb that he has been approved to go back to the States. And he wants her to come with him. Because the scene is so intense, there's so many emotions, everything, you know, is high at the moment, that now she is unable to control the tails, and they come shooting out of her, and they, like, grab Atticus's eyes. Yeah, like, latch onto his eyes. Ugh. And she sees, for the first time, not just what has happened. She sees the future, which has never happened. Right. And... Uh, instead of, like, exploding like before, she just throws Atticus across the room. And she basically just starts screaming, don't go home, don't go home. Don't go home, you'll die. Yeah, and he's terrified and takes off. Yeah, I mean, she probably should have. I know she was getting to it, and mm-hmm. she should probably talked about it sooner. <laughs> I mean, how do you casually mention, oh, I'm actually a fox demon. After this, the mom and Gia go to the shaman, the woman who put this demon into Gia in the first place. And this scene is really, like, beautiful the way it's set up. And Gia sees, like, a fox out in the distance. And they basically ask the shaman how she could have seen, like, is this really what's going to happen to Atticus? Like, how could she have seen this? Because previously, of course, she just sees their the end of their life because it's with her. And then she's, like, burning this paper and, like, doing some kind of ritual thing. And she's just like, you know, you've been... you've been given a gift and all you get people can worry about is your mortal soul and your mortality and all that and she says something like that is nothing you will see countless deaths right before you go and throughout this scene too there's like the voiceover of what i think is judy garland talking about her life and it's very interesting it's a really powerful scene yeah definitely because the character's of Gia and Tick are very similar to Judy Garland's because Judy Garland, you know, she was a child actor. She was basically forced to take uh, um, appetite suppressants and other drugs so that she could fit the mold that other people wanted, which right. is so horrible because she was way too young for that. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not just too young, but that's horrible for anybody. Yeah. And, like, Tick, his dad beat him and you actually see this when jihaz right grabbing yeah. his face and it's like during that scene too you almost wish you could like pause it and look at every uh-huh. scene because there are little flashes of what's going to happen to atticus that we haven't seen yet yeah but i don't want to do that I think. no i, just, I <laughs> wasn't wouldn't. meant to be watched like that no we only pause it when they're screaming about something scary <laughs> to get their <laughs> their facial expressions yeah because they're fa- he's a good actor but yeah this is a wild episode this is a wild episode sorry it took a little while to get back to these episodes but you know uh another 15 dollars a month for yeah. another subscription yeah sean got the free trial and was like we'll just watch the rest of the season in seven days we're only on episode six it's not gonna happen we're losing 15 dollars. yep but whatever it's not a big deal we'll be doing these again uh, until we get to the finale which will probably be a little longer of an episode i don't know i don't yeah. know we how don't it know ends. what happens so, we haven't looked into anything but we'll definitely keep uh doing these until then but yeah it's not going to be all out in one week right (laughs) (laughs) one a week is enough for this show it's Mm -hmm. intense 
but it's very good. Thank you again for listening, and don't forget, yeah, any like or subscription or rating or share really helps us out. Thanks for listening.